I am beyond delighted to welcome the fabulous Dawn Willock to the Christina Talks podcast. Dawn is an absolute powerhouse of a woman. And, um, I, do you know, I know she sees me the same way. And it's one of those things, sometimes you meet people and you you just know you've got mutual respect, mutual admiration. And so who else would I bring on the podcast at this point? So she's in the waiting room now. Let's Let's let her in. Hey, Dawn, welcome to Christina Talks. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. The nice way to finish the day. Oh, absolutely. Well, I hope so. I mean, I say absolutely because I love I love doing this. But um, but you know, I was I always do like a, a little tiny bit um, just before I let the guest in, and I say, you know, why have I got you on the podcast? Because you're an absolute powerhouse. But what's unique about our relationship is that we've kind of we met and we kind of see each other in quite a similar way and you know I'm like wow she's power she's a powerhouse she's inspirational she's you know just like just this person that's constantly on it and making it happen so I am delighted to share you with 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 my audience well thank you for having me on why is it when it's only ever when you go on of a Zoom meeting or a podcast that you realise how insane your hair is. <laughs> I was just in the bathroom, like flattening mine all down, <laughs> trying to like. Oh, That's what I need to do next time. Get. Oh, <laughs> well. oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is. I think this is part of it. This. This is part of the reason why we, um, kind of, there was that sort of magnetism between us because we both we show up who we are, how we are. And if you don't like it, unfortunately, it's a you problem, not it a me problem. It might be you problem, yeah. <laughs> so Dawn, very quick, because I know what will happen. We'll just, we'll just start and we'll just go into it. So just introduce yourself properly. Tell people who you are, what you're about, what you stand for. So my name is Dawn. I, um, well, on a personal level, like, yes. You know what? I stand for truth. I just like fucking truth. Like literally in business, have integrity, be truthful, be, you know, be honourable in your relationships, in your personal relationships, show up. That's something that you and I both strongly do. Um, Be brave, uh, question things, you know, truth. I Fundamentally, I stand for truth. And and I think that that has been something that has been a great gift in business. So I run a national organisation. I look after martial arts instructors. None of your customers will be remotely interested in what my services actually are. But to put some context to that, you know, decades ago, we weren't quite in the same uh, era of equality. And it can be challenged that it's not exactly perfect now, but comparatively we've come a long way as women. We've come a long way as of, of, you know, different religions and different skin colors and, and, and all of those differences. Um, But when I started, it was, it was not only in an era where women didn't get those opportunities and were perceived very differently, but I went into a, at the time, I mean, it, it's still heavily dominated male 
industry. And so not only does martial arts attract more men to actually just doing it and participating in it, therefore, obviously, more men end up being instructors. But where I sit, top end sort of as an organization on the business side, on looking after instructors, on providing services to them, um, it's all men. It always has been all men. Um, and so in the era that I started this, it was really taking on the old boys network and long may they be bad at what they do. Cause I've done them. I've done very well out of how bad they are. So I don't ever want them to change. This is, this is the thing. So change is an interesting thing. So let's, let's start off there, which is not one of the things that I'd suggested we would talk about at all, which is why I don't prep guests basically. Um, Change is an interesting thing because it's something that so many of us are very fearful of when it comes to change ourselves. But trying to be a driving force for change, a driving force for transformation, I imagine there were probably times where you were like wanting to put a stake in the ground and kind of say like, no, this this needs to... You know, that is my style. I do put... And sometimes I've done it a little bit too Bodicea-esque. <laughs> And pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> However, right? <laughs> no, going back to what I stand for, whether you love me or hate me, what can't be disputed is I tell the truth. You might not like it, but but it is usually the truth on a broader scale, not just my perspective. I I do normally, you know, so so it's still done me well. But yeah, and and I still have um, challenges. With regards to change culture, I think it's a really difficult thing to do when you've got an industry or a community that is really steeped decades of, 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 of a way of doing things. And combined with human beings getting their comfort zone and don't like change. The really interesting thing about COVID, uh, I don't think psychologically I'm quite at the point where I can be grateful for COVID, right? So, let I mean, you know, I'm not quite there yet but looking at the silver lining what are the things that were beneficial from it and one of the things was that some of the changes that I've been putting my stake in the ground and harping on about for a million years with great resistance <clears throat> from those listening to me um what happened with COVID was was actually we were all forced a lot of people to survive change was forced and it was quite a difficult it was difficult for a lot of people who'd been can you imagine Christina you've done something the same way for 25 30 years and then all of a sudden and it's worked right it's worked for you and then all of a sudden we have this you know set of circumstances nobody knew what to do nobody knew what was happening we were all making it up as we go along but very quickly, it was very obvious those who were going to survive were willing to change or were already, had already changed, so already had some foundations in there to be able to adapt, leaving the ones that, that had, had resisted all change prior to that really faced with, is my business going to, is my club going to survive? Am I, uh, uh, is it going to survive? And some of them didn't. Um, and, and it probably took six months for 
those that were still resistant to change to submit to the fact they've got like it was just clear if we're going to survive we've got to change and so then there was a collective uh, movement towards that and of course what's happened if we as we come we fast forward to 2023 they've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's the great some you know it's the greatest thing they ever did was to change so that then makes that muscle of change and that confidence to be able to change a little bit more open um and so change is really important so it's really interesting that you you've used that example because i feel i do work with a couple of people in the martial arts world sort of schools if you like um gyms um but if i look beyond that if i look at other sectors you know right now we're in this you know cost of living crisis the word recession has been bounced around for what 12 months now maybe possibly longer and i'm really starting to see that flexibility that so many businesses that we saw across so many industries that ability to be agile even if it was 6 months into it it's like people have forgotten that isn't it yes and like I don't watch the news, I don't read newspapers, I don't know any of that. As far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as a cost of living crisis. It's just like that's what I've decided, me personally. <laughs> doesn't exist. Interestingly, um, because when you're when you're I don't know when you're when you're guiding a narrative with a community and you start if you were, if I was worried about the cost of living crisis, I can imagine that when my community got worried about it, we'd indulge in that and there'd be all kinds of, well, get the violin out. Interestingly, because I'm so locked out, I'm not interested. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what the newspapers say. Uh, frankly, if we take responsibility for what we want to happen. And what's been really fascinating is is being able to demonstrate statistically, not woo-woo, not, not instinct, not emotion. Literally, I've got national statistics on England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales of over 100 different styles in all kinds of locations, like really broad, mm, you know, a broad amount of statistics. All of the clubs, and this would be the same to any other businesses, any of the businesses that are just like, no, I'm going to take responsibility for what happens in my little arena, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subscribe to it. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but the statistics back it up, Christina. Absolutely, and that ability to be agile, take full responsibility yourself. Do you know in martial arts, so normally, so, and there'll be lots of other sectors that this relates to, we're considered, you know, a hobby that a lot of people do. It's an added extra. It's a cost that, you don't, you know, if you were on the breadline, you might not be able to afford. But interestingly, what we, what we did, and, and, and this is where it's relatable to anybody in business, if you place your value on what you do, as what the customer gets out of it and you make your service a necessity because it's bringing pure joy and happiness, you know, and if you 
if you place that value there um, and, and don't get worried about the cost of living crisis and you carry on marketing and reviewing your prices and packages and doing the, and giving a great service, um, the really interesting thing is something like martial arts is an added extra. Do you know we're having an absolute boom right now with inquiries? So while all the newspapers and the near the cost of living crisis, now I'm not, I really don't want to kind of dismiss the fact that there are people on the breadline that, because that's, there are. Yeah. But my point is from a business perspective, there are also lots of people who are not on the breadline. And how is it that an added extra hobby activity in the middle of a cost of living crisis is experiencing one of the biggest booms it's had in the last 10 years explain that to me you can't you can't Can't. but I can explain some of it what happened was we were all fucked during lockdown we all had to get a grip we all had to build the foundations of our business we had to open our mind we had to take 100% responsibility for our, our our little businesses whatever they are and we implemented things and we changed our mindset. And now the next crisis that's come, which is the cost of living crisis, we're having a marvellous time anyway. And there we have it. Love that. Nobody else. That's it. We're done. We don't need to know anything else. We're all, <laughs> we all know everything we need to know. <laughs> oh, So um, part of the way through that, you um, use the term woo-woo and you kind of gestured to yourself. Oh, I'm thoroughly woo-woo. Like I literally make life up as a fancy and just decide. I can remember going into a meeting a couple of years ago. <laughs> we were just introducing new software and everything, but bear in mind, the custom- no customers have asked us to go on software we just I decided it was a great idea so obviously when I tried to roll it out to my customers there's a little bit of resistance from there trying to get them to do something that they didn't want to do and we weren't doing a very good job of it anyway so we're having a strategy planning and my actual strategy was I'm going to manifest it like oh Okay. (laughs) So manifestation's an interesting thing. So I am one of those people that previously, when you just said, oh, I'm going to manifest it, I'd have just switched off. But all manifestation is really is setting a vision, setting a goal, breaking it down and making it happen step by step. You know, it's like we get so hung up on language, so hung up on words. Yeah. I think where the, actually, I'm really glad that you've picked up on that because I think where the um, cross-communication comes is that people think you just sit here and meditate and and some, and some there's knocks on the door. Um, action is uh, required at all <laughs> stages. <laughs> like I mean I know I'm important and I have a good chat with God every now and again but sometimes I'm not top of his list (laughs) and I'm gonna forgive him for that because he's got a whole world to sort out you know it's like okay (laughs) so action is required but where the um the word I like to use is inspired action so if I'm in a chase 
and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, which is often, and I don't know what to do about it. Actually, that quiet time is is about shutting off all the noise and withdrawing. And actually, if you can tap into your own heart and your own belly, it knows all the answers. And so then when you get a feeling or an answer or an, an inspired thought, that's when you act, you act on the, so, so what a lot of people do, I think, is either overconsume, they get on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and they consume and consume and consume noise in their head, like the psych, psychotic noise. And with all of that noise, you can't listen to yourself um, or they go the other way and sit there meditating for 10 hours a day, expecting some miraculous thing to happen all on its own and neither one of those things work um you do need a little bit of quiet to gather yourself and you need to listen to your own heart and your own belly and then you take the action that's inspired from there when you get a good idea i mean i'm currently um messaging um russell brand because i'd like him on my podcast and he's ignoring me and, and okay, he's probably quite important too. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided. And so when I was, we were doing a list of who we wanted on and Russell Brand, I wanted on. So he went on the list. And why shouldn't he go on the list? I know he's famous and this and that. Why shouldn't he go on the list? Why not? Mm-hmm. And then one dad said, actually, I'll DM him. Now, so, like, you know, and, and so I did. But a lot of people are going, oh, yeah, I won't DM it. No, I might not get Russell Brand on my podcast. I might not. Okay. But I might. But I certainly won't if I don't take the inspired action of reaching out. This is it. This, this is the thing. And again, it's that, you know, oh, but he's famous. I won't DM him. Oh, but, I, you know, I won't get a response. It's a form of manifestation in itself. You know, we all do it. We, we all do it in business. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think they've got the money for that. And then shock horror, they don't buy the service. Yeah. That's a great one, actually. So at the moment, we've got all of this media narrative that there's a cost of living crisis. And so therefore, we're worried that people can't afford us. And then we panic. Whereas if we, if we, if we just decide differently and see what happens, it usually works out. When we first met... We were um, part of a mastermind. Yep. And you appeared your whole self full of energy and just this kind of this force within the room, which was was just amazing. Um, And obviously you were there connected to the martial arts business. And we had a conversation about, you know, what, you know, like, why were you there? And um, I hope you don't mind me saying no, not at all. I'll be quite honest about it. Yeah. yeah. At the time, you were kind of like, "I'm here because I'm great. I've got a great business and everything's going well, but I've just fallen out of love with it." Yeah, and do you know something now? So, this is part of taking 100 percent responsibility for yourself. I knew I was in trouble. My business wasn't in trouble. I was in trouble. Mm. So i'd I'd gone through that two year period of, and this comes from 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 a dark place really and it's it's part of personal demons I guess but when I go into survival mode 
I kind of take on the responsibility of like no man left behind. Like I'm a great person. Like if you need someone to put on their boots and walk through hell and drag you out, I'm your girl. But to do that on such a large scale through COVID with so many, so many in the community with my default of that survive what I do in survival mode which is focused failure is not an option and no man will be left behind but then I I took on too much responsibility with that I can't blame anybody else for that that's that that's my response that's what I did that's my response to those kind of situations which is great unless it goes on for an extended period of time like it did through COVID to the point that it it the cost of that to me personally was huge. So although my business was doing okay and and that was fine, I'd I'd been in such a refined survival mode. This you know fixed blinkers on, you know, for such an extended period of time, I couldn't come out of it. Mm. I was almost I almost felt anxious at the thought of leaving my desk for a day. Because, like, obviously the world can't survive without me. Like, obviously. Like, <laughs> sounds ridiculous now. <laughs> I was being a complete twat. But the good news was that I knew it. And that's the lovely thing I think about. That's where the magic is when you take response, 100% responsibility for yourself. I knew I was in trouble. And what had happened is I'd become, I'd come, I'd become resentful. And it was, translating as I resented work I probably resented myself for taking on too much but you don't when you're in that depths of being in trouble whatever that looks like you don't you don't see that do you I can remember in the beginning I think it was 2021 I can't remember when it was somebody gave me an invite to Clubhouse do you remember the app Clubhouse So I thought, right, I'll reinvent myself. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a different job. What was hilarious was six months down the line, I'm like, well, actually, no, (laughs) you are, you are, and you do what you do and you do a great job of it. But, but I'd, I'd lost my purpose. I think, I don't think, I don't think it is. I'm always better. When I started my business, my purpose was to say, fuck you to the old boy network. So then when you do that, your normal purpose, which is to serve your community or whatever it is, whatever your purpose says, it's not quite as exciting as the battle, is it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think when you've been in business a long time, you've got your overriding purpose. And mine has never changed over the years. But when I look at the, when I'm really fucking glorious, it's when I'm in battle mode. Now I'm in my mid fifties. What you recognize is that you become battle worn and that has an effect on your relationship with your business. And that's where I want. And the reason why I joined a mastermind was because I needed to peel my, I needed to spend a ridiculous amount of money. So it would make me do it. <laughs> accountability all the way 
accountable because that would make me peel myself out of my office chair, get in my car, and I, I could justify it in my head because I was going to spend the day working on my business. But it did me a lot of good just to get out of the business. And also, I think when they'd, when you sit in a leadership a leadership role in a very niche, small environment, where do you go? Where, where do you go? And then when you've got my kind of mentality where you take responsibility for other people, you can't then go to them and I'm like, you can't. So where do you go? So, so what I did was I, I, I recognized that it was really unhealthy. I was in an unhealthy place that I couldn't take a day off work. Like you know, and also I, I would, I really craved some intelligent stimulant. That's not to say that my customers aren't intelligent. That's not what I'm saying. But you don't have that peer relationship. Yeah, yeah, you can't share in the same way. You, you, you can't. You know, there's stuff going on in my business now that I'm, um, you know, I don't have a business partner in Green Umbrella Marketing, and there's stuff going on that is, it's all on me, and. I've got a fantastic team and I could share with them. Oh, I might share a lot with them, but there's always that the, the biggest, the heaviest things, you can't. That's where the line is. That's where the boundary is. Sure. So for me, join in and 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 it, it it was it was it was great. I mean, I met you and you know, lots of other people that I I adore, but it was just so nice to sit in a room of people, <clears throat> of other people who were intelligent and had businesses and we all do different things right none of us have got the same type of business the interesting thing is that actually their their worries and their the things that go on and the response are all very similar yeah you have similar types of problems and I think when you are a business owner and you're established and you've done quite well it you're a certain type of person that that is and we naturally we're naturally entrepreneurial we're natural survivors we're natural doers we would never have managed to sustain a business through all these years if we weren't doers so you've got all of these people who are very common they're creative and clever and doers and all of those things but there is a downside to some of those things too so it's great for business you know uh but it costs us, doesn't it, sometimes? And what it cost me was I fell out of love with my with my whole business. And then obviously what was happening is that has an impact on efficiency and passion and energy. <clears throat> and that starts to reflect reflect in the metrics. So um the first thing that needed to happen there is is me recognizing and recognizing that that I wasn't in a healthy place and the second thing is being able to do something about it go and find a solution do something about it regardless as to how much money or time it's going to cost you and how annoyed you are at that because <laughs> I was really cross I remember how angry you were at yourself and it yeah <laughs> Well, it was compounded more in the October. I joined in the November. In the October, my mentor had died. So I was cross. I'm like, fucking hell, Pete. As if you've made me have to join. (laughs) (laughs) Now, normally, when I do something like that, it would be Pete that I'd call. Go, for fuck's sake. 
And and this time it was his fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd gone. So I was I was cross. I was really cross. I think I had to apologise kind of three or four months in when I started to get my mojo back a bit and say, can, can I start again? Because I wasn't very nice when I first... <laughs> I remember. I think it was the Jan, the December or the January, and we were we we came together for the for the mastermind, and it was you, me, and um, and Tracy, who, who's you share your podcast with, and it's like the three of us just had an absolute breakdown in this mastermind. Just like interesting though that a testament to Nick, he went with it. How interesting that even though we were doing we we had our meltdown, how interesting was it that then. For the two hours or hour and a half, however long after that, actually everybody recognised those feelings mm. and identified with one thing or another, and and it turns out that that those things happen in business to everybody at some point or another, and you've got to be brave enough to be honest about it. Mm. And 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 in doing that, you then realise that it's not you. You're not a nutter. There's, we're all in the same boat. And that makes everybody feel a bit less isolated, which I think is a common way to feel when you have an established business. Or actually, you probably feel quite isolated. You know, even startups actually probably feel isolated. You know, if their family don't particularly understand business or support the the decision, they probably feel isolated too. And that is actually something else that taps into my purpose and how I Look, look after my customers I don't, I don't want I know what it feels like to feel alone and I actually don't want anybody else to feel like that I, I, do, I do feel because um again three months six months later I can't remember exactly when it was I, I remember us um I think we got like we arrived back there again and we got you know at the same time in the car park it was like hey and hugs and the rest of it and you went Christina I've fallen back in love with the business and it was like just all of a sudden this light had come on and you were back with it. And well, it, it was a bit more painful than that, actually. I'd done, um, you know, the thing with Ryan and he does that super genius thing. And um, absolute torturous session with him where I went up. I, can remember, I can't remember the question that he asked, but he asked some question. I don't feel scared very often, but I was like, hmm. So because it was scary, I put my hand up right and it absolutely, my whole soul was thrown out onto the floor and dissected and trampled on and I was crying and I said some really ugly sentences. But but we had to, I had to go through that and, and that, it, that was, the, it was like, actually, there's nothing wrong with anybody. I need to fall in love with my customers. So I went home that night, uh, and I think that was a Saturday or a Sunday, and just went to bed and got up in the morning with an absolute belief that I loved my business and I loved my purpose and I loved my customers. And literally, it all shifted. And then, isn't it, you know, when you do something that sounds daft, fall in love with your customers, and then you get immediate evidence Everybody was converting. I was getting more calls, like everything was running like clockwork. So then you get an immediate acknowledgement that that was the right thing to do. So then you know it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and you have that, that sort of 
that sort of evidence. And it's these sort of things, you know, you know, when earlier when I said about woo-woo, how ridiculous, I can just, I just know some people's eyes are rolling, for fuck's sake, because if it's as easy as going to bed on a Sunday night saying I'm going to fall in love with my but, but But that genuinely is what, where I had to get to. But the, the thing is, you, the mind doesn't know the difference between the what's actually happened and what you're telling it is happening. You know, it, it's the, all those neural, all those pathways that are there. We have we have so much control over how we behave if we figure that out. So it's yeah, it sounds like it can't be that simple, but in some ways it kind of is. You make a decision, you commit to it. And that's it. Yeah, and trust the process, have the faith. Yeah. Um it's a I mean, you know, I I've, I've done done Ryan's thing. I've um I did something last year which I know you know about. I, I'm now involved in that business where uh, with, with success psychology and you know, we we're, we're doing tons of stuff around this and there's someone else that we're looking at um doing a joint venture with and it is just like the the whole and I love that you mentioned the heart earlier as well because it is we've got you know you, you've got your brain you've got your heart you've got your gut these are all giving us the answers all the time we're just not tapping into it and we're not directing it to give us the right answers we're putting all these filters on it instead all this bullshit that we've we've carried or other people's bullshit that we're carrying so this is actually what my book's about. So I, 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 and and what I did was, I mean, my husband, God, I mean, he just laughs his head off. He's like, you're just mental. And I might have taken it a bit too far this time. We'll see. I'm either going to fall flat on my face or not. I'll let you know. But <laughs> <laughs> you'll miss it anyway and go, God, she's off again. So I decided that I was going to write a book. And um, Martin is an editor. And so he, we, we had, you know, we put this structure together and I started writing it and I threw the structure out because what I decided to do, one of the sentences that's on repeat in my book is listen to your heart and your belly. And so I thought that I was being hypocritical in bringing together a narrative and then not, and then having a structure like like I was being a hypocrite so I threw the structure out and literally wrote the book word by word sentence by sentence chapter I didn't know what the next chapter would be till I'd finished this one like didn't know where the book was going to go didn't know how long it was going to be didn't know what the end point was didn't know what the message was just decided to, to, writing. to write and um an interesting I I'd got in my head that I figured it might be about 12 chapters, something like that. Actually, I I did the 10th chapter and I knew that was it. That was it. It's done. Um, and obviously now it's done. You then do have to send it to an editor and, and do those sort of, you know, practical things. But but that is fundamentally what my book is about. It's not a business book. It's the ramblings of a mad woman. <laughs> Who decided to put her money where her mouth was and uh, write a book from my heart just to see what, how, what, what, do you know what it is? What, how I did feel about it. It was, my book is the art of my heart. Like, what is your art? What is your heart's art? Oh, I love that question. And, 
you know, and and so that's how I approached it. And 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 what is fascinating is it perfectly flows from beginning to middle to end. It, and I didn't have a proper plan. Um, so, yeah, that's been a really interesting uh, putting your money where your mouth is. And I'm really looking forward to launching that and talking about it. I'm on the E stage in November, so I'll be launching it then. Oh, brilliant. I was going to say, if we, if we got a launch, because I knew you were writing it, but I didn't know how far through the process you were. Right. Well, I organised that. I think I'd wrote, written one and a half chapters, right, of my book. <laughs> my husband said to me, is that normal? I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but that's, it felt like a good idea at the time. Oh, I know. I've started writing a book. Well, I'll launch it there in no, well, we thought it was September at the time. I'll just do that. Like, I'll just do that. In fact, inspired action. But do you know what? Um, I've got no choice now. Well, this is, this is the thing, you know, it's a, when it's, oh, I need to do that by Thursday. And, and that's a, a deadline that can move. Guess what? It moves. Mm. You've got three hours to do something. You've got three days to do something. That's how long it takes you to do it. So having that hard stop, it's like there is no choice. There is no option. It's not just a hard stop. It's in front of several hundred people. Yeah. Or, what do they get? Six, seven hundred people or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you get some pretty cool names to share the stage. Or well, you've been on this stage. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, part of my bio now is, you know, I've shared a stage with Stephen Bartlett and Maria Fordio because of that event. So, yeah, it's. But we're not, we're not talking. I'm not going up the road to talk in the community centre. And so it isn't just a hard stop. It, 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 it's quite a big deal. Bad. <laughs> but it, 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 it is what it is, isn't it? So somewhere throughout that, I decided through inspired action to put myself in that situation publicly, like commit to that. That's It's not a small thing. Um, I have to admit, like actually, me and my husband were talking about this last night. I'm like, he's like, where, where are you? I'm like, well, well I, I'll be honest, I'm feeling a little bit of pre- pressure at this. <laughs> but this is this is what you do. You know, you've said it earlier. You're, you know, you're the fighter. You go into battle. You, you know, so that is a pressure situation. Yeah. This is where you fly. This is awful, and 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 it's being brave enough to take responsibility for for that. And do you know what, Christina, if I don't sell a single solitary uh, book, if I don't, it has been the greatest joy for me to write it. So genuinely, I've written it for me and my heart and my, I've just had joy. It's just given me joy. And because I've done something that gives me so much joy, you don't mind the graft of work and doing the things that you don't always necessarily want to do. It's been, it's been also, it's been very cathartic in terms of my mum had died. That was a complicated relationship. I've been able to work a lot of, I didn't mean to do that, but it's just kind of happened. So, so actually not selling 
or rather selling the book has absolutely not been um, the priority. I've written it for me. It literally is my art, you know, and, and that's fine. Um, I mean, we are entrepreneurs. I'm not going to not, I will, I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm launching it now on a fucking big stage. Like, there you go. <laughs> like, there I we wasn't going to go, but I'll have to now. There we go. That's it. <laughs> so, I'm in now. I've committed. There you go. Um, and it was quite funny because how do you pitch to the organiser of such a big event that this is a perfectly reasonable thing for him to agree to? So we literally just said, oh, me and Shari will figure it out. Yeah. Leave me to Shari and it'll be fine. He's like, okay, okay. (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how nervous everybody else is either. I don't know. (laughs) It'll be perfect because, like I said, it's, um, you know, manifestation. The vision is there. You're going to be on that stage. You're going to launch the book. It's just working the steps backwards and doing it step by step. Because the way I saw it was, how fucking cool is it? Who gets to decide just for the pure joy to write write a book and then gets to launch it like that? Who gets to do that? Well, this this is the thing. In the entrepreneurial world, especially around coaches, consultants, it's like everyone's got a book. Everyone's an Amazon bestseller. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah, very few people that really, that, that it's often used as a lead magnet. And by the way, yeah. it's a fantastic lead magnet. And I absolutely wouldn't say not to use it as a lead magnet, it, but mine isn't a lead magnet. So this is it. I'm literally, I'm writing the last chapter of my book. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've been writing the last chapter of my book for about six months. I did all the other chapters within a week. So, and so something about this final chapter. And honestly, I think it is. I actually enjoyed writing it so much. I don't want to stop writing it. Because once I stop writing it, I need to share it with the world. And it then, and, and it is, and don't get me wrong, it's a marketing book, of course. But it's like everything I've learned, everything I know, everything I think and I feel that it's all in there and all the little bits of me that make what I teach mine. And as much as I share everything with the world anyway, there's just something about this process that's so personal. It's so personal. It's so you think when you read a book, you can you can tell when someone has throwing something on AI just purely for a, a lead magnet and, and, and it's just part of the process. There's no emotional connection to it. When you've literally done it from your soul, regardless whether it's a business or marketing or personal, whatever it is, when it's come from your soul, it, you, it, you've, you've, it's, it, it's, it's probably, I found it the most vulnerable Vulnerable is probably the word I would use. It is the most vulnerable you can possibly be to put your soul onto a canvas or a record or a, a piece of paper for a book. Like it, it's really vulnerable, um, but beautiful at the same time. And and there's something about the writing process that 
takes you on your own kind of journey do you yeah you know know, it's it it's a thing isn't it it's yeah it's a good thing certain directions I went in and I was like no I need to stop yeah that's a rabbit hole now let's come let's bring it back yeah and that that happened quite a few times and it was a um and there was some personal stuff going on as well so it was kind of writing the book was a bit of an escape from the personal stuff but it was a um a reminder if you like of my worth whilst going through a period where my self-worth could have been shot to pieces yeah you know I, I could have been in a very different so there, so like I said, there's a, there's all these intricacies to it and in like I said although it's not particularly personal it's not a personal book at all um but they're just the little stories that have, that came through from you know to explain a point that's you know someone I spoke to eight years ago that I then dropped a message to it's that and that's where that's where it's personal because we forget I think sometimes um do you know it was it's interesting the guy who is ed- editing my book is somebody who is in my community and I, I knew it had something to do with martial arts but I hadn't particularly took any we were just connected on Facebook and he'd um uh ghost written a book that had won some awards or something so I contacted him and said oh you do stuff can you help me and so that was that and you know what about 10 years ago he phoned MAGB as an inquiry I have no conscious recollection it was 10 years ago like obviously (laughs) and it turned out that I'd given him some advice um that, that nobody else positioned before and 10 years later he can remember that that conversation and you know like you've just said you know you know you spoke to somebody eight years ago and there was an impact somewhere along the line we forget about that it's one of the things that that I, I say this to my community a lot and I'm going to say it to you as well just because I know who you are I don't think people know the impact that they have on other people's lives. I don't think they have a clue on the ripple effect. You know, just somebody, for example, you your business is marketing, somebody has called you and had a conversation with you. And even if you'd just given them the experience of some clarity, or even if they weren't able to come and, you know, take your services on or you know it it almost doesn't matter just that experience that human interaction that you've connected with a stranger and exchanged vocal sounds but it's come from a true place yeah is the ripple effect of that is I find miraculous and beautiful and I, I don't think with all of the noise that we get infiltrated with I don't think that we remember that sometimes, mm. you know, just that truth, that integrity, that um, that honest exchange from a heartfelt point of view. And it, it's the same with our children or our loved ones or our friends. Um, and it boils down to truth, doesn't it? Really does. Really does. I think it's knowing you, knowing your purpose, knowing your what's your inner guiding compass. You know, I, it, it's that yeah. it's it's knowing that. And 
And it took me a long time to figure out what that even was, let alone, you know, what is an inner guiding compass, let, let alone actually defining it. And I'm not sure I could, I, even now I'm not sure I could verbalise it other than to say it's, it's real love. So the ability to feel the ability, the, the the ability to accept as much as the ability to give. Yeah. So so I um, probably had a, a midlife crisis somewhere in my forties. I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, actually, I actually remember when I turned forty, I decided that uh, my whole life, with, and I haven't changed this, by the way, my whole life is going to revolve around one question. And whenever I have a decision to make, which one makes me happy? And that's mm-hmm. So if people are struggling with find, I think it's a really difficult thing to know your purpose, what the greater good is. But if you can start with any dilemmas that you've got or any choices that you have, or if you're feeling sad, well, what will make you happy? Do something that makes you happy. Does it make, you know, you know you've got a relationship with somebody or you've got a set of finances that you're not happy with or a home that you're not interested in or I don't know what what, big or small it doesn't matter be honest with yourself that doesn't make me happy right what can I do to make me happy yeah change it and and so I think that's as simple as it gets when people are a little bit confused with finding their greater purpose start with that love that Dawn that's a brilliant question. Um, I'm I'm going to end there. It feels like a good place to end. The time's flown by. Thank you so much. I know, I said to you this would just be like us hanging out as normal anyway, and it absolutely has been. So um, I always appreciate the time we spend together, but especially today, you joining me on the podcast. So thank you so much. Well, I'm really pleased to have. Um, I'm really pleased to have come. Thank you very much, Christina. And you've got a great podcast and everybody should listen to it. Make sure you send me the link and we'll share it. We'll do, we'll do. Right. Bye.